It's so funny because I, I love that the Jesus revealed God as Father. It, mm-hmm. it, it shows his reckless pursuit of us, like because mm-hmm. it gives a um, an understanding that, like when a when a when a child is lost, the dad's going to do absolutely everything to find that child. Hey friends, and welcome to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. I'm the host for today's episode. My name is Brad Piron. I'm the missionary program director here at Damascus, and I'm joined in the illustrious Damascus studio with my two brothers and friends, Aaron Richards. Hey, Brad. And Dan Dimite. Yes. Yeah. And we're excited to be entering into a new season with you. We're in the season of Lent. And Whoa, Lent, yes, yeah, it. give it up. That's mm. that's nice. We made it. Um, uh, the Lenten season's amazing because it's a time mm. for all of us. Uh, faithful to really um, pursue something together. It's a time for us to really dive into something together. And today we want to dive into um, just a, a kind of new concept for this season of Lent. And the concept we want to dive into is relentlessness. Okay. So we're going to talk a little bit about being relentless during the season of Lent. But before we jump into the season specifically, I uh, I think I want to start the episode just by asking you guys, when you think of Christianity, generally speaking, um, I think that we at Damascus talk about being relentless um, without really saying that word. But when you hear um, just the concept of relentlessness, when you hear the reality that to be Christian is to be relentless, when you hear relentless itself, what do you think of and why is that um, maybe important for the Christian life? I think of the lives of the saints, Brad. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember in high school, there was a there was a shift that happened for me and I, I don't remember who presented it or what, but it was it was when there was a parallel drawn between virtue and heroism. And for the first time, I started to, to reflect on this concept of heroic virtue, not as something that, um, you know, not seeing virtue as the antidote to sin, but mm-hmm. seeing virtue as like the way by which I can find a fulfilling life. Why? Because I'm, I'm trying to become more like Jesus, who is the, the greatest version of, you know, the greatest version of man, bad theology, but, <laughs> uh, but, but when I, when I set my, when I set my sights on Jesus, like every, every pursuit that I make in my life mm-hmm. is going to, is going to ultimately make me more of who I'm supposed to be. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah. I love that. How about you, Dan? Yeah. I mean, I just think the idea of relentless is, is everything with our relationship with God that I'm not giving mm-hmm. up and he's mm-hmm. not giving up. You know, I think there's, there's every reason for God to give up on me and probably every reason for me to give up on myself. <laughs> and yet uh, this this relentless pursuit of God and God's relentless pursuit of us is mm-hmm. the story of your walk, right? It's a story of our journey with Christ. And, um, and I think sometimes we, um, I don't know, I think it is the the heroic virtue aspect of like the, uh, and this idea of relentlessness. Like when you were talking here and I was just thinking of like, uh, like gladiator or yeah. like this, like this, like uh, more than human life mm-hmm. that um, I realized that way I was having a hard time getting out of bed this morning. And so like that, while there's also this more than human life that um, I sometimes idealize and desire and pursue there, <laughs> the Lord also pursues us even in those moments where like, man, our life doesn't deserve a movie, mm-hmm. you know, that mm-hmm. it's, it's not as glamorous as, we should. And so I think there's something so beautiful about we have these high moments and we also have these low moments and the Lord's love is consistent and it's relentlessly coming towards us. Mm-hmm. And there's almost, there needs to be this relentlessness, not, not even really in, in my pursuit of him, but just in my ability not to give up mm-hmm. on myself mm-hmm. that in those low moments where my, my life isn't worthy of cameras that I'm still going to get up because I'm still in his eye and his eye never wavered and he still mm-hmm. sees me and he still pursues me even though I'm maybe don't deserve it. Yeah, well there's something about the Christian life that's just unattainable, right? Yeah. That when we're Most when we're talking yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh when we're talking about just the goal of being Christian, the goal of Christianity and we've talked about this on the podcast before is divinization. Like the church has forever talked about the reality that God wants to be so one with us that we become like him, yeah. that, that we operate as he operates. And like, that's a huge call. Our Eastern brothers and sisters call it theosis, but no matter how you want to like, like divide it, God is 
trying to form in us his reality. Yep. And that requires us to be relentless, like, because I'm never going to get there, really. I'm definitely not going to get there on my own strength. And even with his grace living in this fallen world, I, I kind of like take a step to the left or a step to the right, but he's in this constant um, pursuit of me. And in, in that same way, I want to be in a constant pursuit of him, be, being relentless that like, Lord, even though this call, maybe even in this season and maybe even in this moment seems so unrealistic that I will not give up on what I know you've called me to. Because when I attend to that, I know that you're going to be right there with me. Well, you know, it's funny the the ability to be relentless in my relationship with God mm -hmm. is by its very self, a grace from God. So, yeah, so it's his relentless pursuit mm -hmm. of me that mm -hmm. enables me to even pursue him in the first place and not give up. And yeah. like, but the, I just love the, the word is so powerful. Like mm -hmm. relentless. I'm not giving up no matter what comes, no matter what happens. I, I almost think of like, uh, Jacob wrestling the angel, right? Yeah, like right, all through right. the night and the dawn is coming. And uh, there's this, like, Jacob says, I won't let go of you until <laughs> you give me your blessing, no matter what. Right. Like this, it was this relentless wrestling with, with God. Mm -hmm. And it was through the relentless wrestle yeah. that he received the father's blessing, yeah. right? That it's good. The, the blessing comes through the relentlessness, but that re that relentless struggle is actually mm -hmm. a gift from God. I can't, I can't muster that up on my own. Well, yeah, I actually, I, I preached from that um, passage recently. And I, I think something that's funny too, is God even prepares him for the wrestle. He casts a deep sleep on him before the wrestle happens. Like mm. he's like, I will, I will give you the rest necessary for you to hold on until I bless you. Yeah. Isn't that amazing that like God in love of Jacob casts a sleep on him before, before the engagement happens. Like he knows the things that we need and provides the grace for us, but it is a relentless partnership with that grace that can be so challenging. And um, yeah, so we, we decided just uh, a few weeks back that um, for this Lenten season, we wanted to bring back this concept that we actually did a, a while ago uh, with our missionaries and then also with some of our social media stuff um, with this concept of relentless. And I, I think that part of it comes really from the heart of what we think God is, is like pouring out in the church today, which is really a, a, a renewal of passion, maybe a renewal of zeal. And um, I, I wonder if we could speak to that for a minute, because the, there is something about the relentless pursuit that yes, requires me not to stop, but there needs to be an impetus not to stop. And I think that in this um, season of the new evangelization, where the Holy Spirit is being poured out in new ways for the upbuilding of the church, a lot of that comes from, I think, a uh, almost just a re a reintroduction to great passion yeah. uh, and great zeal. And um, I wonder if you guys can speak to that a little bit, like passion, zeal. Like, I think there's an, I think that's, um, that's what keeps us going, if you will. And I wonder what you guys think about that. I mean, yeah, almost by definition, right? That, that mm -hmm. our, our passion is what drives us. And what, one of the observations that, that we've made a handful of times on this show and just mm -hmm. in observing sort of, you know, all the way back to our, our, Gen Z reflections a little bit ago, mm -hmm, like that, mm -hmm. that it seems like this, this age of the world of our culture is marked by, um, just a rapid acceleration of, of, of everything, a, a rapid acceleration of change, a rapid acceleration of the adoption of, of passionate movements, mm -hmm. right. Uh, you know, right, wrong or indifferent that it, we want to, we want to cast our lot somewhere and, whether by some beautiful conglomeration of technology and social media and, and the energy around it. Like, it's almost like the statement that I make with my life, it reverberates a lot louder today than it did yesterday. Mm -hmm. And even as we step into a, a season like Lent, you know, mm -hmm. as, as our listeners are, are engaging and asking, like, well, what, what can I do? Um, how can I set myself up for this? Mm -hmm. Your story is going to be going to be seen. Like your your witness is going to be heard, mm -hmm. and uh, and yeah, it's it's that it's that passion, it's that drive. I think it's a fire that the Lord's given us because mm -hmm. the times are are yeah. are demanding in it. need of it. Yeah. How about you, Dan? Passion, zeal. What do you think about? Yeah, I don't know. I, I'd almost take one step back and say um, maybe this Lent discover what it is that grounds you, that fosters that passion, zeal, not to Good. give up. Yeah. So like, what is it that causes you? Because I could answer what it, why I have passion and zeal, but what like mm -hmm. when Jesus is in the desert, 
what was it that was causing him not to give up? When Israel was in the desert for 40 mm-hmm. years, what was it that caused them not to give up? And um, if I think about the individuals I've met in ministry and in life, I would I would suggest that it's different for different people. Mm-hmm. Some people, mm-hmm. what 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 keeps them relentless is in those moments of the desert, they they have a foundation of truth where they just rely on the fact that, no, I mm. know that this is true because, yeah. uh, and, and it's almost like a logical, mm-hmm. like they, it, it, the, the, the Holy Spirit has overshadowed their logic yeah. that they had, they, they are grounded in truth of the truth of the gospel and yeah. the, in the existence of God. Sounds like a gift of knowledge. Uh, exactly. You know? yeah. yeah. Others it's, it is truly, it's just like, um, this, uh, that first love, right? Mm-hmm. Like I, mm-hmm. I know I encountered him when I was in fifth grade and like that, mm-hmm. that was the, that first moment of deep encounter. I know I've seen him here and here and here. Yeah. It's those moments of love and those moments of encounter. So I mm-hmm. think it's, it's a matter of knowing what drives you. I think yeah. what, what drives me is other focused. Um, mm-hmm. when I'm, when I'm in the desert and, um, and I'm having a hard time getting out of the desert, mm-hmm. I, I find that, a, a simple solution for me to reinvigorate a relentless pursuit of God mm-hmm. is um, going after the other. That when mm-hmm. I start seeing the brokenness and the 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 sadness of people, and I and I start meditating on the mm-hmm. depravity, like the depravity of man and the need for salvation and a savior, mm-hmm. that pulls something out of me that allows mm-hmm. like passion and zeal to be restored. And mm-hmm. uh, knowing that will prepare you for when you go into the desert. That's right. Yeah, because. There, there is just something, I, I love what you're saying there, Dan. There's something about um, knowing what we, were, um, what we were created for that allows us to then see as individuals like, oh, this is that part of me that is like helping God tell this story. This is this part of me that wants to get in the game. Like this is the impetus I have to stay relentless after the Lord. And the reason I bring up um, passion and zeal here is, as we said at the beginning, this is the beginning of Lent. And we want to talk about relentless and like a relentless like reality and relentlessness in the context of Lent. But before we do that, I think to your point, Dan, we want to give a foundation that we can build off of so that we can know why we can be relentless. And that's because... God is relentless in his pursuit of us, right? Like we love because he first loved us. We're passionate and zealous about his purposes in the world because he's passionate and zealous about us, right? And so today's episode, we wanna focus on the relentless pursuit of God, right? That God pursues us. Like, like, so we have a relentless pursuit, right? Like we pursue God, but we do that as a response of God pursuing us. And so um, I wanna start kind of the, uh, the theme of this episode with um, the first paragraph of the catechism. And I've been, um, well, first of all, the Catechism in a Year podcast is amazing. We would also <laughs> encourage you to uh, partake in that if you uh, don't have a, uh, a rhythm there already. But um, I've just been in the catechism for a little while now. And it's funny because as I begin um, into a new section of the catechism, I'm always drawn back to the first paragraph because there's just a foundation that's laid there that's so rich and it tells us the story, I think, in the right sequence. To your point earlier, Aaron, like my pursuit of virtue, when it's no longer just about me making myself um, as strong as I can be or as good as I can be, but when it's actually a pursuit of Jesus and like who he is, that requires a pre-knowledge of who Jesus is, right? That Jesus, he actually presents himself to us. And then we're able to say, I want to be more like and um, in this Lent, if we're going to be relentless in our pursuit of God throughout Lent, I think it's best to first understand his relentless pursuit of us. And so here's what the Catechism of the Catholic Church, paragraph one says, and I think I want to just stay on it with you guys for a little while and um, see what we think about God's relentless pursuit of us. Here's how it says, or here's how it reads rather. God infinitely perfect and blessed in himself in a plan of sheer goodness, freely created man to make him share in his own blessed life. For this reason, at every time and in every place, God draws close to man. He calls man to seek him, to know him, to love him with all his strength. He calls together all men scattered and divided by sin into the unity of his family, the church. To accomplish this, when the fullness of time had come, God sent his son as redeemer and savior. In his son and through him, He invites men to become in the Holy Spirit, his adopted children, and thus heirs of his blessed life. 
again, this, this idea that God went to the ends of the earth to bring us back to himself. Um, before I hand it over to you guys to get your reflection, I, uh, I heard a, a quote from G.K. Chesterton recently, and it reminds me of this too, but it's that God will allow us in freedom to wander to the edges of the earth only to pull us back by a twitch upon the thread, that he stays so close to us that the moment that our heart realizes again that he's so close, he brings us all the way back to himself. Um, I guess just reflections on that first paragraph, maybe, well, especially in the context of God pursuing us. I, there's, it's beautiful to go back and, and it is funny that this is paragraph one of the catechism, right? That mm-hmm. you don't have to dig far right. to find one of the most beautiful <laughs> and profound truths. Yeah. And uh, I, I just, I, I think it's good that we're starting with, with today's topic and, and the one that, that'll be on the show next week at the same time that, that we pursue God mm-hmm. or God pursues us relentlessly and that gives us the strength to pursue him. Mm-hmm. And I, I think in, in, context, right? Many times, most times we tend to think from an us perspective. And it's, it's almost like this, this first statement of catechism paragraph one. Um, it's a truth that's buried so deeply in us and it marks in each individual. And even in the church as a whole, like these beautiful moments of revival mm-hmm. when I realize, oh, wow, yeah, you were pursuing me all this time, mm-hmm. right? You were the one that 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 created this this opportunity. You were the one right. that's, that that played, that paved this path. Um, I think back to uh, to some of the some some moments. My, my heart goes to music, right? The uh, I was at a I was at a funeral this weekend and had the uh, we were at the funeral home and there was a piano there and and one of the one of the local preachers down in Harlan, Kentucky. Um, asked if anyone knew how to play any music. And it's like, well, I guess this is my, this is my cue. <laughs> so I went up and I was like, okay, I, I don't know what to play. I don't know what you know. I was like, just name a song and I'll play it. I actually, it was really sweet. I said, just come up, come up and sing a song and I'll play it. And he's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so he and his wife came up and sang this sweet old, uh, this sweet old Appalachian song. Mm. And uh, the, uh, the next one that he said was like, why don't you, why don't you sing Amazing Grace? And mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Amazing Grace isn't a traditional hymn of the church per se, mm-hmm. but if if you look back to the the origin of that song and the way that it really transformed church culture, it was like one of those moments, mm-hmm. and and we could name a hundred and hundred different hymns, but where like there's this profound sense of wow, Lord, it's by Your grace that You pour in and You give me the strength. Mm-hmm. I even see a, a, a modern parallel in uh, you know in the song reckless love mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. it's one of those moments that that has that sort of shifted the contemporary christian worship culture mm-hmm. because it 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 just it turned our perspective back toward the lord mm-hmm. who you know is it a secret no <laughs> it's no yeah, secret right. uh, it's 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 the first paragraph of the catechism it's it's the it's the parable of the of the shepherd who leaves the 99 to go after the one, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's so deeply rooted, but so easily forgotten. Yeah. I'm into that. I love that, Aaron. I've, <clears throat> your story about the piano makes, we did a mission. I don't even remember where it was, but I remember he showed up, but the mission was supposed to be on Saturday. And huh. they're like, oh, by the way, we're also having a holy hour and the parish is coming tonight. Can you guys preach and, and lead worship? We're like, oh, okay. <laughs> and, uh, um, <laughs> And I just remember, you know, I preached and then we we're going into a time of worship and um, no, it was just adoration. And Aaron, like at one point you just got up and you just started playing on the piano. And it was hilarious because as you just played the piano, you weren't, we weren't singing songs or anything. The Holy Spirit was just literally falling on people from the music. I don't mm. know if you remember that, but it was yeah. just really profound uh, mm-hmm. that, that the, the Harlan County story just reminded me that <laughs> I think I, what you're saying, Aaron, is so is so true. And if, when I think about Lent, I think the maybe one of the first things we have to actually jump into um, repentance and fasting and falling on our knees with sackcloth and ashes mm-hmm. around is wow, I've made this so much about me yeah. and so little about you, mm-hmm. right? That like. One of the generational sins of our time is that all we do is think about ourselves. And like, we just, that, you know, whether you want to look at the philosophical, um, 
time period of Rene Descartes in the inward turn Mm -hmm. where like humanity took this inward turn where it used to be, wow, God is so outside Mm -hmm. of me and I fall to my knees and I worship a God who is outside of me and who is infinitely Mm -hmm. other. And this inward turn of like, well, let me first look at myself and discover myself. And maybe in the pursuit of discovering myself, I'll also discover God. Mm -hmm. And, um, but there is this element of like, Man, like, do we remember who the God of Mount Sinai is, who appeared with like billows of uh, bellows of uh, smoke and peals of thunder and flashes of lightning, the the power and the glory, and we just don't have fear of the Lord anymore. That like one of the mm-hmm. reasons we don't repent from our sin is that we don't have a holy fear of the Lord to see His power and His glory. And if we saw that and saw how infinitely other and infinitely good the Trinity is, mm-hmm. that like. Oh, like it's from your infinite goodness, right? Let's just meditate on that phrase for a little bit. Well, do we even understand his infinite goodness? And once we discover that infinite goodness, Mm -hmm. the only natural response of man is to fall to our knees and put our face to the ground Mm -hmm. and say, who am I, Lord, that you would come to me, that you would approach me and desire a relationship with me? I think sometime in our modern context, we can almost get the arrogance that I am so good that I deserve God's pursuit of me, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't deserve anything. He created me. He made Mm -hmm. me out of dust and to dust I will return. But Mm -hmm. because of his goodness and his glory, no, it's not just dust I'll return. It's actually Mm -hmm. everlasting life that I get to inherit. It's all his goodness. And Mm -hmm. my contribution to this goodness is literally nothing. Like Mm -hmm. I, Mm -hmm. I brought nothing to the equation. And Mm -hmm. everything that I bring is simply my response to his initiation. And well, man, when we understand that and understand that I was created Mm -hmm. from dust, um, it just puts everything back in right order. And I think it's it's a starting point for Lent because it puts us on our knees in a place of worship, which always leads to repentance. That's right. Yeah, that's amazing. Because that understanding, it clothes us in humility. Right, it clothes us in humility, which allows us to pursue Lent differently. Right, because when I realize, like in a very real way, that I am dust, and unto dust yeah. I shall return. It's I'm brought back to Genesis, where God brings me up from the dust of the earth, and the only reason I'm animated is because He breathed His life into me. And I, I go back to that all the time, just trying to reflect on like what would Adam have thought the moment his eyes were open, the moment he was animated, the first thing he sees is the presence, the face of God. Yeah. Right. I'm sure what he thought is like, even in like the perfection of Eden, like you are something totally different, right? Like you are something so worthy of my life. Like you, you are the one who has bestowed on me that which I now see you with. Like that's such a gift. And like, I think sometimes to your point, Dan, the, the working from um, mystery to my reality now has become my reality now not being able to reach mystery. But like God has been pursuing us from the dawn of time, not because we earned it, but because he loved us so much that he created us for himself. Yeah. Right? Like I, I say this a lot when I'm when I'm speaking to college students, and it, it kind of it, it kind of goes at that individualistic mindset. It, it's that God doesn't need us at all but he wants us so much that it looks like need. And we almost want that more. Like he doesn't have a plan B for your life. He has you, he has Dan, he has Aaron, he has Brad. He's not gonna put another Brad out there if Brad doesn't do what he was designed to do. He, he gave that to Brad because he wants me so much, it looks like he needs me. In other words, if I don't do that, there is a gap there. But he, he wants me so much that he's like, I'm gonna show you how important the, the play I've given you is. You know, I'm show, yeah. I'm going to show you how important you are to this church that I'm putting you in. Um, but again, it, it starts with him and his, his infinite love for us and that he wants us so much that he goes after us. He wants us so much that he created us. He wants us so much that the first thing we see when we're created at the beginning is him. Last week, I had one of the <clears throat> coolest experiences of my life. Um, I, I was meeting someone, a, um, a, a lawyer at, um, to talk about Damascus and try to you know, just build relationship with him. And um, we, I parked in this parking garage to get to his downtown and this huge mm-hmm. sky rise. And um, it, of course he's on floor 22 and 
the parking lot's like far away. So I'm walking through all these like, like it just is this process, right? I show up a half hour just to figure out where's this <laughs> office. It's just process. You know, I got I have to have a security guard to get up to the office, all this stuff. And um, we go into this office and it's just beautiful. I mean, like the first, the law firm office is insane. It's like, wow, this is a good thing. Heaven's paid with the streets of gold or else <laughs> I may confuse this with heaven. Um, but we get into his office and it's, He's got two, like two walls, a corner office, like two walls mm-hmm. of windows overlooking the city of Columbus. And the state house is right there, uh, like below mm-hmm. him, right? His office <laughs> it looks down upon the state house. <laughs> and uh, and then you see just the bridges that come into Columbus. It's just beautiful view. And um, mm-hmm. uh, we open our time in prayer and he starts to pray. And I I noticed his disposition. He just he completely bent over and bowed. And uh initially I I, I was like. Um, I was just reflective of like confidence moves to humility when when you start prayer. And mm-hmm. two two men who are strong men began to bow down. Um, and then as he began to pray, he just worshipped the sovereignty of God. And um, and it 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 was it, his prayer was so humble and so like recognized the sovereignty of God so much that mm-hmm. God's presence just fell into this law firm office mm. it, overlooking the city of Columbus. And it was, the presence of God was so real and tangible. And, and I, when mm-hmm. we finished prayer, I was like, Dave, like, do you, like, if anyone ever says that they feel alone in the mm. workplace, they feel like there's no one else that, that understands them or is Catholic and they're so alone, they don't know who God is because you just brought through your humble prayer the power of God into your law firm. Mm-hmm. And it was so tangible and so real. And, and God's mm-hmm. presence, it's this, it just, it amazes me that when we think about God's reckless pursuit of us, it's like mm-hmm. he mm-hmm. he loves us so much that he comes into this like worldly environment mm-hmm. and his presence is so powerful and real and tangible. And, and it, he is he is Lord. You yeah. know, nothing else is Lord. The 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 pomp and circumstance, the city, mm-hmm. the building, the skyscrapers, nothing else is Lord. Jesus is Lord. And his presence isn't, it is other, completely other, mm-hmm. but it's also so near and dear and right. real and tangible. And it's just, man, like he loves this yeah. is this is a pursuit. Yes. Yeah. He's gonna leave heaven mm-hmm. to come to us no matter where we are, whether it's the law firm in Columbus. Mm-hmm. Or the garbage dump in Mexico. Yeah, but when it's the last, it's that last line of that catechism quote, right? That that's why he sends Jesus. That like he, it wasn't just that he he made us to partake in his life so that he would be a far off distance, a far off distant God who spoke to some of us. It was so that he could lay out a story that he was going to fulfill, and that's why he sent his son. That yeah. that presence would be so close. Yeah. Well, and, and it's nothing new. Yeah. Right. Right. This is yeah. this has been the story from the start. From the start. Mm-hmm. And I love Brad how you how you spoke about you know the the story of creation even mm-hmm. exemplifies this. And when when you see, I mean, when you look through the lens of history and you see the way that that God's story plays out over the course of time, mm-hmm. it's uh, you know, it it's not only that God pursues us; it's the it's that God pursues us not only because we're or not mm-hmm. only in in spite of the fact that we are not deserving, but mm-hmm. in spite of the fact that we often reject Him. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, you brought up the, the nation of Israel. Like, um, I, I, love, I love how people often will identify that, was Israel always receptive to God's, to God's promise? Like, mm-hmm. no, actually, <laughs> Israel was almost always hostile yeah, right. to God's yeah. promise. <laughs> and, 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 no, quite and the opposite. So, yeah. so too are we, right? They're, 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 <laughs> it's like the, the, Lord's, the Lord's desire for us, his love for us is so profound that even in light of the fact that our days are typically marked by like, you know, we get most things wrong in this, but, but he's waiting for that little opening. Mm-hmm. He's waiting for that little opportunity where, we, where we'll open our heart to him, where we'll open that door just to crack so mm-hmm. we can get his foot in the door. Yeah, yeah. Because he, 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 desires, he desires to pour himself out in us. Yeah, he does. Yes, he desires to pour himself out in us. I think like, Man, no, that line is just so powerful because he does. He desires to pour himself out in us. And it's, it's better for us to see God and to begin seeing the, the infinite goodness of him by seeing the parts of him he's put in us instead of us putting our parts in him. 
And we do the latter way too often. That in this relentless pursuit that God has for us, we attribute to him the tiredness we have when we pursue something that seems impossible. Because Brad, when he pursues something that's impossible, I get tired. I get fatigued. I sometimes give up because my heart's not perfect. Even if it's something I know I'm supposed to be pursuing, it's like, this is just too complicated. But when God pursues us, that's not the case. It's back to that G.K. Chesterton idea. It's like, he'll let us go as far as we want just to pull us back by a twitch on the thread. He's so close that he, he never stops, but he also doesn't force. So there's this amazing twofold reality where he's always like forcing his way through everything else to get to me, but he'll never force me to submit to him. Mm. And like, I, I just think that if I can begin seeing that that's the case and not fall prey to the idea that, man, I'm just like, I'm so complicated and complex and I have so many realities in my life that God, I'm sure, was pursuing me at some point. And now I'm sure he's still pursuing me because I'm Christian and I know God's pursuing me, but he's pursuing me kind of at a distance. Like, Lord, if you would just allow me to be somewhat good and take me to purgatory for 800 years, like I'm okay with that because I'm sure your pursuit of me is more distant now because I'm complicated and you've probably gotten tired. It's like, no. Like God always draws close to man, right? Look at Abraham. Look at, look at David. Like, like I regularly think to your point, Dan, like David, he repents. Nathan comes, he's like, you, you have to, this is, this is evil in the sight of God. You made the story work out, David, but it's not right. And you know it. And David goes from frustrated to repentance because David goes from protecting himself and that internal disposition to an outward disposition of, oh my goodness, this God saw it all mm-hmm. and is still here. And I submit to it because he's still pursuing me. He, he doesn't get tired. He doesn't, he doesn't stumble. I guess, what do you guys think about that? I'm honestly having a repentance moment. Um, <clears throat> we're called to participate in God's relentless pursuit of man. And I don't know how well we do that. Like, uh, I was as you were talking, Brad, about how deeply God wants to pursue us. I'm like, yeah, but well, what about you know, what about the people just plagued in a life of sin that will never like aren't mm-hmm. getting to church? Like, how's uh, what how is he relentlessly pursuing them? Like, I don't see him because you're like, oh, he's going to do anything to break through. I'm like, well, what's he doing it to break through? And it just this like, well, what am I doing to help bring his presence? He's there? loving you, dude. Yeah, that's how he wants to break through to and that it, person. It's so because like I think so often we expect, okay, God's relentless pursuit of man is only present at church. And no, his relentless pursuit of man is present in the church that is yeah. in the world. The, the and, temples that yeah. he's desired. Yeah. So if I'm not the church and I'm not actually going into yeah. the world, then God's rel- relentless pursuit of those who are totally lost isn't actually being fulfilled, not because God doesn't have a relentless heart for them, but because the church that's been called to be his hands and his feet aren't doing it. And um, so I just repent for any times I've had a lackluster pursuit of the lost. And I mm-hmm. think there's there's gotta be, if we wanna have the heart of God, I think we have to, um, we have to realize that God's pursuit of man is, is limited by his participation with us. Yeah. And, um, and as badly, and it's not conditional to us. So he's going to pursue them no matter what. But if mm-hmm. we're not pursuing the lost, there's a good chance he's not hit every avenue he's taking isn't being used. And that's a unique aspect of Catholicism. Like a unique aspect of Catholicism is that God is pursuing all men. It's not an insider's club. It's not just a select few. It's all. And, and be, because that's the, the, the beautiful revelation of the New Testament, that God wants all peoples at all time in every place, like that catechism quote, we actually see in Christianity housed in the Catholic church, this, this, different, um, this different reality than we see in any religion ever before, any philosophy. And um, Aaron, I know you, I'll, I'll let you tell the story because you know it better than me, but I, I, I remember one of the first times I like kind of like, saw this differently. You were telling the story of you um, speaking with a previous bishop of ours here in Columbus. Yeah. And um, I wonder if you want to give context to that. It just, it makes, it just makes the Christian narrative so different that he wants all, not just some. Yeah. He, bishop, bishop Frederick Campbell was speaking. Uh, I think this was in a confirmation homily maybe. Mm-hmm. And he was identifying that, that every world culture and religion and philosophy is marked by man's pursuit of something. 
right? Whether it's enlightenment or mm-hmm. fulfillment or God or gods or whatever. And the one thing that separates Christianity is that in, in, the, Christian, in the Christian message, we see that God actually changes the, the story. That it's, that it's in Christianity that we see God pursue man. And we see that played out in, a, in beautiful humility that God takes on human flesh, right? And, and ultimately dies on the cross. Mm-hmm. And you don't find that anywhere else. It's, um, uh, I, I, there's a great saint quote and I don't know who I'm quoting, but, but, uh, you know, in, in all other worldviews, we see this, um, this message that kind of circles around the idea that if we know a personal God, that we can be satisfied with the fact that he loves. Hmm. But in Christianity, we, we realize that he is love, right? That there's, there's something about the, the nature of God that, that, that the, the understanding of the Trinity itself, like it just mm-hmm. communicates that uh, God's nature is to is to do this, right? Right. It, this isn't this isn't like a charitable decision that God makes today, mm-hmm. and maybe tomorrow He'll change His mind. Yeah. This is this is the God that we engage with. This is the God who pursues us. Why? Because pursuit is is His name, mm-hmm. right? Trin- Trinitarian yes. love, a love poured out, is this is this is who he is yeah that's awesome yeah it's not a choice he's making it's actually a a a revelation of his character yeah 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 well he reveals himself in every way as love like he reveals reveals himself just to the church over time in his trinitarian reality yeah that 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 exchange of persons is love he also reveals himself in a very like elementary way to us as father and son yeah and the spirit of love that that spirates from them. Like he reveals in, in both incredibly complex and very simple ways that like, this is what I'm about. What I'm about is connection. What I'm about is like, is, um, is communion. It's, it's unity. And I I think Dan, your point is something that I really, I really just want to sit on for a minute because like when I realize that God is pursuing me in every moment, in every time, in every place, like the catechism says. I begin realizing as I begin seeing his face like Adam at the beginning that I want everyone to know he's doing the same. And then when they hear that from someone through testimony or whatever, they begin that process of, wait, he's pursuing me. And then all of a sudden when they, then they go, right? Because God's entire pursuit of man is to pursue man, to have the ones he has pursued open the eyes of those who don't know. So they know he's pursuing. So they open the eyes of those who don't know. So they know he's pursuing because it's about him, not us, right? Because we can even see mission in the context of us. Mission is to show why it was so good that God pursued Brad, right? God saw my gifts. And we can even get into this sometimes in identity stuff. Like our identity is that we're beloved. Like my, my identity is not that like I'm beloved because of these gifts that needed to be seen because the church really needs yeah. them. It's like, no, God pursued Brad. And then from there, I'm like, all those gifts you've given me, God, I want to use them. So everyone knows you're pursuing them, right? Not so people know that you saved me, but they, so that they know that you're saving them. That is a huge move. I don't want to prove to people that you saved me. I want to show people that you're saving them. That's pursuit. That, that's an understanding of the pursuit I received, not by earning it, but because he loves and the revelation that that should bring well, to the world. Well, it's Lent. And I, I think it'd be really interesting for this Lent if you like, maybe in your spiritual life, it's you've always been the main character of your spiritual life. And what if this Lenten season, you made God the main character of your spiritual life? Like, I, I think mm-hmm. the, like, just think about what is your, typical modus operandi of prayer? How do you operate during prayer? And is it, is it all about you? Or <laughs> like, mm-hmm. are you, are you meditating too much on your own character, your own disposition, your own um, mm-hmm. pursuit, your own holiness or lack of holiness, your own mission and lack mm-hmm. of mission? Like, are, do you examine your conscience mm-hmm. a little too much versus, um, examining the heart of God and, and making like, I think if just for the first week of Advent, I mean, uh, uh, for the first week of Lent, Mm -hmm. you just made it all about him. And I 
was removed uh, from your mm-hmm. prayer and you you didn't think about yourself at all and you just meditated on him, mm-hmm. is then you would discover God who is love. And once you discover God who is love, everything changes. Then you would discover the God of Sinai and the power of his presence. Everything changes. Then you would discover the God's reckless pursuit of Israel and 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 Catholics and all of mm-hmm. us. And the, like when when our focus is on him, I think we're able to see God in a way that um, is free of, of all usury. It's free of, yep. um, it's free of me. And it just allows me to know who he is, which is, you know, like I think um, when you fall in love with someone, your, 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 your mind and your heart is kind of just focused on them, right? Yeah. Discovering them and, and you get changed in that process because you're so into mm-hmm. the other. And I think the, um, I think sometimes our spiritual life lacks that, that, mm. that falling in love with God so much so that all we care about is him and any effort to change is just a result of us seeing how awesome they are. And our life is naturally getting changed because we're falling deeper and deeper in love with this person. What, what is it? What is it then that, that keeps us from that place? I mean, that seems so, so, so easy. Right. Right. Why don't, I mean, it's like it's like when a, when a child is born, um, that that child's core and soul focus is on is on the one who provides him life. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like there's there's no one else in that kid's in that kid's life but but mom. Yeah, I think we're a product of our own generation. Like we are sure. living in the self help generation. We're living mm-hmm. in like that. We're worried about. Like mm-hmm. whether or not this water bottle has GMOs or not, you know. Like I don't even know what a GMO is, but <laughs> I, is that, I, I is don't, that a clean modified organism? So like, I guess the water yeah. bottle does not have. What is it on the water? Like like BPI, all these. But we're we're so obsessed with all of these things that like it, like everything is about like me, and there's there's goodness in that, and there's virtue in that, but like. It's, sure. I go to Starbucks and I, or I can get what, like 17 different kinds of milk. Right. And like the, it's just the, there's so many things that compliment, com- complicate our mind that we're, I think then we bring all that complication into our relationship with God, as opposed to just falling yeah. onto our knees and saying, God, you're sovereign. But I wonder, is that new? I, I, I mean, it's definitely bigger now. Like part of Lent is just getting rid of all of that, right? I like, just, I just think back to, uh, I think back to like the, the Israelites burning all of their golden jewelry and building a calf, right? <laughs> yeah, was- it's just, it's just the game's a little different today. Sure. Yeah. Well, I also, I had a reflection recently. I think it is different today, but I also think that there have been ways that we have um, created um, counterfeits to what we once had. So think about this, for example. I, I, this is going to sound so weird up front, but uh, recently I, I was like, uh, I was trying to think about where mirrors started. Okay. So it's really weird. <laughs> I love it. I, I love your mind. I, I, Brad. Uh, I really was because I, I had noticed myself and this is just honest. I don't know why, but I like, um, in this season I've had some, like some sickness and I've, my, I've just, my appearance has changed some. And I was noticing myself noticing that too much. Like, just like, looking and like, man, I, I wish I looked like I did then before all this happened or whatever. And I was like, what is the, like, why mirrors? Like when, when did mirrors become, <laughs> but eventually I, I didn't like look it all up, but what I was thinking through. And when you said something today, Aaron, I wonder, I, I don't want this to just be philosophizing, but I'm going to tie it into something. Like, where did we first see our reflection in water? Water was a life source. And so like, I actually, I, I didn't just go look at myself to look at myself. I, I saw myself in that which was keeping me alive. Mm-hmm. Like there was something written into this. And then we created a mirror because, well, and we even, when we read about like narcissism, right? Yeah. It was he who looked so intensely at himself in the water that he drowned, right? <laughs> because he, anyway, like when we look at this, we've created these counterfeits. Like I, I actually really like the phrase self-conscious. Like there was a reason that was originally coined. Now everybody's like, well, let's not use self-conscious because it's whatever. But it's like, no, like the reason that we call self-consciousness something where I'm anxiety ridden is because I've become overly conscious of me. And I think that like all these counterfeits around us do lead us to being more me-centric. Like the first thing I do in the morning, and again, I'm not saying like hinge your morning routine or whatever, but I look in the mirror, like I've just, 
in my day-to-day routine, a consciousness of me has been elevated. And I do think that's because there's a part of it that's actually good. Because when I, when I can see my true self, I see his pursuit. Yeah. But when I create counterfeits, I get farther away from it. I don't know. That's my, uh, my two cents, I think. But let's get to what you were saying too. Um, Cause I think that Aaron's challenge is right there. Like what holds us back from that? Well, it, maybe it's that we, we don't sometimes take action steps that are centered more on God and, and not on us, right? Like that if we are like in a, in a generation that's like, it's hard to actually make decisions. Well, let's start here in Lent. If we're, if we're going to like fast pray and give alms, let's not choose a fast that benefits us. Mm-hmm. Let's choose a fast that highlights some aspect of God. Like maybe I want to hunger more during Lent. So I know that I need to ultimately be filled by him. Well, then I'll, I'll do some kind of food fast. Maybe I need to um, seek God more in my free moments, and 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 He's revealing that to me. Well, then I'm going to fast a little bit for media. So I pursue, if that makes sense. Like instead of looking at me and going, "What would benefit me to fast from during Lent?" Like for whatever reason. Same thing with prayer. What would benefit me more? I could tell people I'm praying for 30 minutes a day if I would do, you know. But instead, like God, how how could I connect with you differently during Lent? Same thing with almsgiving. Not like what do I really want to give to. But like, what could I give to? I don't know. It seems so subtle, but I do think it actually matters because as we do that more, it becomes the water we're swimming in. I wonder what you think. Well, I'm just, um, uh, yeah. So the grotto's right behind you, out, yeah. out the window. So like, there's uh, for those of you not viewing uh, online, I I see mm-hmm. Brad's face and then I see the Blessed Mother right behind him, out the window at a distance. Which That's is pretty, a good place to be good in for place. me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but um. <laughs> and the Lord is just like suggest, like highlighting just that even even our Catholic practices sometimes can become a distraction from God. Um, and I think the, the there's a reason on during Holy Week that we cover all of, all of our statues as well. There's this mm. that like in the Lenten season, what we're what we're the soul is meant to be aiming for is a stripping away of anything that may distract us and. And our holy images are are meant to be aids in prayer and meant to draw our mind back to God, right? In prayer and grottos are meant to be a place where we go to pray. And so they're not mm-hmm. by their very nature distractions. They can be the opposite, but sometimes like there's nothing better than just a empty, barren space that I realize, wow, mm-hmm. all that I have is God. And I think that that's kind of, it, it, it allows us to draw. I, I love going to church on Palm Sunday when everything's covered up and during Holy Week. Cause it's like, you're like, yes, like it's significant that I don't mm-hmm. want to look at anything other than like meditating on the sovereignty of God right now. And I think mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. as, as we journey during Lent this year, what is, what are the things that we just want to get rid of to get us into a, a place where there are no distractions at all um, so that we can almost meditate on the emptiness of life. We, we had a, that episode, we did a few weeks back on Adirondack Jepson, right? He mm-hmm. he dug a grave and he sat there and he meditated while staring at his own grave. Um, that wasn't a, pr- like, you know, like that wasn't, it wasn't a beautiful crucifix. It wasn't this incredible image of Our Lady. It was just this, like, mm-hmm. I am, I am dust and to dust I will return. And I think that's a really beautiful Lenten prayer. That's good. Um, yeah. Yeah. How about you, Aaron? What do you think about? Hmm. The idea of making it about God, not us, getting outside of ourselves. I mean, why why do we fast, right? Why do why do we engage in in this process of of sacrificing those things that we depend on? Mm-hmm. It, it's to remind ourselves that that there's only one thing worth depending on, right? There's only one person who can fulfill our deepest need, satisfy our deepest desire, mm-hmm. and a lot of times the stuff just gets in the way. Why? Because because Gosh, we are hardwired to control, and you know whether it whether it is us today or whether it was the Israelites in in traveling through the desert. You know, my my desire is to try to create a scenario where I can control my circumstance, so I don't have to depend on somebody else. Mm-hmm. But that's the story of the garden. That's the story of salvation. That's the story of the cross. It's that it's that the Lord offers us something that. Uh, that is uniquely proposed 
on account of the fact that we can never do it on our own. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that the Lord put that fruit on the tree, not to take it from us or to hide it from us, but that, so he could give it to us. Mm-hmm. And the moment that we try to reach out and grab it for ourselves, it, 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 becomes, it becomes worthless. It becomes poison. Mm-hmm. So yeah, is my phone bad? No. But, but the moment that I put that in the place of, of, of taking the, the place of precedence from the Lord, then it, then it becomes poison in my life. And I, I don't know, the, the disciplines are really good because, because they, can, they can remind us of the fact that you will not be living your life fully alive until you learn how to die. Yeah. Right? Until you learn how to depend on him and you learn how to, how to, how to drink from the water that he offers you, how to eat mm-hmm. from the food that he gives you. And yeah, that, that, takes a, that takes a regular reminder. Yeah, it does. Well, and part of that dependency is the reason that the church asks us to do this as a body, right? That like, I, I can try to attack Lent and like depending on myself in it, but it's actually a new revelation when I realize all of us are taking this journey together, Yeah. right? So any of these like frailties I have where I'm not doing it excellently, I don't have to immediately become self-conscious and be like, see how big of a mistake I made? I should have done something else for Lent. It's actually like, no, we're all on this journey together to Holy Week. Like we're all doing this thing. And um, that's been a huge, that's been a huge move in my own life through my conversion is a recognition in greater and greater ways that I am dependent on God and that God has been so gracious to me that in my life here on earth, he makes me dependent on others that he's put me in a church with. I wonder what you guys think about like um, the communal aspect of all of this. I think that it has something to do because God's not just pursuing me, right? Like, again, it's important to recognize that. Like, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not discounting what we've said to this point, but he's pursuing all of those created in his image and likeness. He, he's, pursuing, he's pursuing the entire group. So yeah, that communal aspect, I think, is big because, again, it gets me out of dependency on myself to dependency externally. And it gives me a realization that, wow, I'm a part of this thing that's so much bigger than me. It's not this little yeah. ego drama. It's this like theodrama. It's this, it's this big, big thing happening. Good. Yeah. Dan, Dan was mentioned a couple of weeks ago in prep for the, this Lenten series that uh, there's a lot of power in an individual entering into a moment of repentance, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, nowhere else in, in the church do we see the coming together of, of a billion people to commit themselves to a season of fasting and, and penance, right? And, and there, is, there is power when, when Christians unite in prayer. Mm-hmm. I mean, time and time again, you see, you see these powerful moments of, of miraculous intervention that happen when a people come together to pray. Nowhere else will you see a billion people come together for one purpose. But I think oftentimes, because it's part of our, our culture, we forget just how powerful this moment is. Right. Right, just how powerful this invitation is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I mean, uh, if we just if we just changed our na- our, our global dialogue a little bit, what yeah. what would happen? You know, like what if what if you know the Vatican and, and our Holy Father were were saying, "Hey, this Lenten season, let's offer all of our suffering up and all of our fasting up for the end of abortion," and then you had the whole church with one intention. And I think mm-hmm. you know, so often our fastiness during Lent is simply aimed towards my own sanctification and not the mm-hmm. sanctification of others. And, um, and so the, to, to orient, if you will, a missional impulse around mm-hmm. the, this global fast, uh, if, even if, if not the, the universal church, can your local mm-hmm. church, like, it, like have a, an intention behind what we're doing or sure. your family, right? Your, your most, local domestic church can can the domestic church like fast together and and, and have an intention as a family for what you're fasting for mm-hmm. do almsgiving together and have a purpose behind why you're doing almsgiving yep. there i mean likewise if i you know there's something huge if it's beautiful if everyone in the parish gives a couple dollars to a charity of their choice mm-hmm. there's but you can really make a mark when everyone goes together to give alms corporately. Yeah. There's something about significant change that happens mm-hmm. when the community comes together. And, and it's the father, I mean, the community aspect is, is so, I, you know, it's so funny because I, I love that the Jesus revealed God as father. It, mm-hmm. it, it shows his reckless pursuit of us, like, because mm-hmm. 
it gives a um an understanding that like when a when a when a child is lost, the dad's gonna do absolutely everything to find that child. Um and the more vulnerable the child, the more apt the the dad is going to be to mm-hmm. to to wrestle and to find that child. And so the father has such this this relentless pursuit to find the lost. Um, mm-hmm. But then there's also the security nature of family, right? The, so you think of the father who's pursuing the lost child, but you also see the father who cares for the community. And mm-hmm. you have a, a community, a chosen people in the Old Testament who God pursued, formed, and then recklessly pursued throughout all of their failings, all of their shortcomings. Mm-hmm. And then you have this this same father having a chosen people as the Catholic church throughout the last 2000 years of all of the Catholic church's ebbs and flows, ups and downs. And it's this like our, our history book is not a very attractive history book. Right. And, mm-hmm. and now we're living in, you know, the 21st century Catholicism and the, the, the history book of our time is going to be interesting, right? Like mm-hmm. you have the early 2000 church scandals that marked our generation of church. And, and, and so then the question is, well, okay, the father hasn't abandoned us because of that. We know this through history. Instead, the father is, is pouring out even greater grace in this reckless pursuit to reclaim his family, the chosen people of God in the Catholic church to reclaim us. And we've had this massive decline, but mm-hmm. now we see this generous outpouring of the Holy spirit mm-hmm. that is a response to his reckless pursuit. And so I think, I guess the community nature is, uh, it, it, it's so intertwined with his generous pursuit. It's so inter, intertwined with his, um, his desire to call us back to himself. Mm-hmm. And I think if we see ourselves, not me on my journey to God, but me in this moment of history as a part of this Catholic church, I, I, I don't just want to represent me with Jesus. I actually want to represent the church and I want to bring the church back to its glory, back to the father. Well, to turn back, yeah. turn back with all your heart. Because when you turn back, you see him pursuing you right? That this Lent, we should make it about holiness and mission. We talk about that a lot mm-hmm. here, but it's for the upbuilding of the saint, yep. the upbuilding of the church and the upbuilding of the world. Holiness, yep. the upbuilding yep. of the saint and the upbuilding of the church. Mission, the upbuilding of the church and the upbuilding of the world. We need the upbuilding of the saint in all of us. We need the upbuilding of the church and we need the upbuilding of the world. And Good. if we focus on God's pursuit of man, it allows us to do that. So um, I, I want us to close our time with, with prayer. And um, Dan, I'll, ha- I'll have you start um, just to give some context for anyone listening, I, I think we just want to pray that you would have a disposition this Lent of yieldedness to God's pursuit of you, that you would put the impetus on him, that you would put the focus on him and that you would allow everything to flow from that. Because when we do that, to your point there at the end that you made so well, Dan, what we begin doing is we see his heart. So we can start having a, a communal intention. We can turn back, we can repent that metanoia. We can begin changing our minds and our narratives, and we should start that this Lent. So we're just going to pray that you um, that are listening and that us here present in the studio would would really um, would really allow the relentless pursuit of God to be the narrative this Lent. You want to kick us off, Dan? Our Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Oh, Lord, we we just turn to you with such humility, recognizing your sovereignty. You are everything. And from you, we receive everything. Father, we just pray that our hearts would be so conformed to you and to your presence, that our minds and our eyes would fall upon your gaze. We pray, Lord, that you would allow us to see you more and to love you more, to cherish you more, to worship you more. You are the alpha, the omega, the beginning, the end. You are everything. Reveal yourself to us, Lord. God, convict our hearts with both a desire to be different and a hope for transformation. Keep us hungry, keep us engaged, keep us focused on you. I pray that this wouldn't just be a time of uh, repentance and metanoia, but would also be a time of revelation where you come and you Mm -hmm. show yourself as close. Lord, that you are the strength that we need to get through tough times. 
Um, I pray for those who are listening uh, to today's show who who may have uh, tuned in because they because they wanted to see what they had left behind. Um, that the Lord would speak to your heart and say that there's there's still hope for you, there's still life for you, that that there's hope for happiness, that there's hope for fulfillment, that the Lord uh, says that you're not you're not too far gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Lord, in the book of Revelation, you say that you stand at the door and knock. And I pray, Lord, that anything that's holding us in this studio or anyone listening today back from answering that door and letting you in would be removed now in Jesus' name. Lord, we pray that we wouldn't have any excuses that keep us from opening that door. We wouldn't have any um, past realities that keep us from opening that door. We wouldn't have any anxieties of the future that keep us from answering that knock, but that we would open the door and let you in. Let this Lenten season be a season where we let you in in new ways. Or even if we're on the edges of the earth, we allow you to pull us back by the twitch upon a thread. That you would allow us to turn back with all our heart and that we could make this Lent all about you. Lord, thank you for the gift of your presence and for the gift of your life. Allow us to encounter you this Lent so that we can go out on mission and bring other people into that same encounter, knowing that you're pursuing us and letting them know that you're pursuing them. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for tuning in today. This has been Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. We want to thank our sponsors at St. Gabriel Radio here in Columbus, Ohio. Um, They're just amazing and they've helped us in every way possible. So thank you so much. And thank you for listening today. If you know anyone that would benefit from listening to an episode like this, or even this episode, we'd invite you to check out all of our shows here at Beyond Damascus and send them the one that you think is best for them. We also invite you to like and subscribe and just let us know anything you think about this episode in the comments, because we want to continue to bring forth a message of encounter so that people can go on to mission in their lives. God bless.